Greetings, and welcome to the Darwin the Force podcast. Today we're going to talk about Queen's Peril, written by E.K. Johnston. First, if you have any questions, you can find me on Twitter at the Darwin the Force, at the Dow Force, and on Facebook at Dow Force. So, both Queen's Peril and The Phantom Menace I'll be talking about because of how much the novel intertwines with the film. We'll discuss some commonalities and theme and characters and such, but first I'll talk specifically more about the novel and various talking points about characters and then later I'll discuss more main themes in both the film and the novel. So to start with we'll talk about Padme, how she was newly elected at the beginning and takes on the name Amidala. She does all for the protection of her family and to so when she's no longer the queen she can go back to a more normal life without people knowing the name Padme and its connection to her. We see uh, briefly her parents, Rui and Jobel. We learn a little bit about her past, of her father's more diplomatic past, that Padme would go along with him on humanitarian missions. We see she's inherited her father's compassion, her mother's good sense and wisdom. We don't get to see a, a lot of about her family. In Captain Panaka and his wife uh, kind of take on surrogate parents for both Padme and the other handmaidens. Both Padme and Panaka are very dutiful. get a bit of groundwork for tradition in customs for the Nabu. There's a lot of rigid customs that are passed down about certain clothing and ways that a queen should be and Panaka is very rigid in his thinking and actions, almost single-mindedly tasked in just thinking of security matters. And we see Panaka putting together a team, almost like you see in a heist film or something where you gather individuals with particular skills to form a team. And we see 
him recruit to Sabin first who becomes Sabe so already we have many characters who have dual names all the handmaidens take new names as well as Padme and it starts a theme of duality or uh, with the handmaidens it's almost alter egos of Padme personality traits that are enhanced by each handmaiden uh, to Sabin who becomes Sabe is said to always come second in her academics and all uh, of her school life and she realizes later in the book how that uh, makes her perfect for being Padme's double and always makes her, her perfect shadow a twin of sorts and we get um, Robin who becomes Rabe we see her as first a forger and con woman in her but she brings creative creativity and adaptivity um, an alternative way of thinking perhaps outside of moralities and bending rules Then there is Sasha who becomes Sasha. She is the youngest handmaiden and smallest. She uh, is the unseen. Uh, constantly people don't take notice of her. She's used as a page. And we later see her inner strength when she is tortured by the battle droids to gain information. But she is a bit of an organizer. She can see things that other others don't see. which is heightening her theme of being the unseen, seeing what cannot be seen by others. Then we have Eratama, who becomes Erate, who is recruited as for being scientific and an engineer or the tech type person who is the only blonde amongst them who does not uh, physically completely resemble the queen and the last one is Suyun, who becomes Yane, who is the seamstress, but also the maker of things, where others may come up with the ideas. She is the builder.
and we later see a relationship form with her in that of Sachet, I believe in uh, Queen Shadow. And together they form a bit of a sisterhood. A surrogate family with Merrick Panaka and uh, Captain Panaka as uh, the paternals. And it feels like uh, something out of uh, Jane Austen or Little Women, the dynamic between the five handmaidens in the Queen, where you get a bit of an older sister in siblings. They with them up to mischief in drama about when they go to sneak out to a nightclub where Sabe is having a hinted romance with one of the representatives of a planet. So there's a bit of a tension almost sisterly tension or best friend tension that forms between Padme and Sabe. And then the novel tends to focus on this sisterly relationships even though we really don't have any development of Padme's sisterly relationship with her own sister Sola. But together they have, they are coming of age together as well as coming together as a unit. Let alone keep in mind that she is ruling a planet that comes under great turmoil by the Trade Federation. They blockade their planet. We get a lot of brief moments with other characters that uh, appear in the Phantom Menace. We see Darth Sidious in Senator Palpatine in see his brief machinations behind the scenes, pulling the strings. We see his meticulous meticulousness in his vision when he has three bills before the Senate ready to go. When one fails, he is ready with the next step in his plans. He also is forming a duality in name like the Handmaidens with Darth Sidious in Palpatine. We see the people of Coruscant Um, being referred to as a bright light, a bright light in the universe, but we know that the Senate and Palpatine are a growing darkness in this 
uh, light that becomes impotent to um, help the plight of Naboo or any planet that doesn't give them um, further along their wealth or anything they seem to ignore along with the Jedi mostly because they are subservient to the Senate so we have a bit of them acting like ivory towers the Jedi and theirs and the Senate and sitting high above Coruscant and the rest of the galaxy and we see that of Chancellor Valorum being concerned but also being manipulated by Palpatine and we see Governor Bibble showing how he is a bit like an uncle to Padme he has similar um, viewpoints of how Naboo should be We see that Panaka in many characters all get advice from Palpatine. So he's easily able to manipulate Nabu as well as Coruscant. He's manipulating the Trade Federation in Volorum, in Panaka, and in Padme. We get um, briefly with Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon, and we get um, brief discussions on self-control and control in general the difference between control and possession that the Jedi seek to control the self and not possess others where the Senate and the Sith are seeking to in the Trade Federation seek to possess others to use them for their own gain. We see Yoda briefly in Mace sensing that something is changing but not willing to presume um, outcomes or possible danger we see Jaja uh, briefly bef before um, Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan encounter him and him uh, representing that which is close to nature Where introduced briefly to a Numoidian who is controlling the camps when the Naboo are rounded up in the tyranny that we get to see a greater sense of the tyranny that the Trade Federation uh, in the killings and torture 
in the in the starvation that is happening in the camps it gives a greater urgency to when the queen leaves nabu seeking help covers a lot of the basic characters in points of the novel so let's move on to the themes so the first theme is that of separation now in many ways queen amidala in padme represent a bit like athena who is like the protector of the nobu and uh, providing wisdom but i when thinking of the phantom menace in this novel I tend to think it it is closer to that of Janus the Roman god who has uh, two faces or two heads one looking to the past one looking to the future but is really representative more of transformation and duality for so many of the characters have two names separated into two entities so we have in the theme of separation and duality we have jaja who is exiled and separated from the gungans the nabu and the gungans have separated themselves because of historical and prejudice and uh, things of that nature we have amidala who is a almost a separate personality of padme along with all the han maidens who separate themselves from their name sake we have quaigon who is in a sense separated from the council because of his beliefs we have quaigon who is also separated from obi-wan for obi-wan takes the side of the council in questions quaigon through the film in novel we have anakin who is separated from his mother in his then separated from the jedi and not accepted as first we have amidala and the han maidens who are separated from each other but they also act like uh, split personalities of padme who alter egos we have yane and sashe who remain on abu and end up in the camps then through the film they these separations lead to transformations so for jaja he is first an outcast 
and then is transformed into the hero and uniter of the Gungans when bringing the Naboo and the Gungans together? He is promoted to general and becomes a hero through the battle. When at first, when he was outcast, he it was a death sentence in a way, and he's transformed from that outcast to hero. Then we have Amidala, who and the handmaidens, uh, are young women. And in the novel we get kind of a, a, a transformation from young women into uh, women in leading and running a planet, becoming going from schoolgirls to mature um, leaders. Uh, each providing their own uh, use and function within that leadership as advisors in compliments to Padme. I mean, we, we even get mentions of menstruation and love and things like coming uh, of age and maturity in mind and body, sexual maturity, all of these things. Uh, uh, explored and hinted at. We have Padme, who in the film starts off as the queen, then she's cast out of Eden. In a sense, Naboo is an Eden-like planet and almost immediately splits in personality to that of the peasant, Padme. So there is a transform transformation of her going from wealth and even though she's still the queen on Tatooine, she is like a peasant and they are not able to use wealth to get out of the situation. So it is a bit of like walking in the footsteps of the others in the galaxy, seeing through other other's eyes, but it is also being cast out of Eden, or for the Taoist it would be going away from the natural, well, she eventually ends up on uh, the barren world of Tatooine, we don't see trees, and then eventually to the mechanized concrete steel planet of Coruscant where they get no help or they are rejected but when she goes back the transformation in uh, unity when she goes back to Naboo, 
and reunites with the Nabu. And in the novel, she quickly seeks to represent the disenfranchised planets within uh, her jurisdiction that other monarchs had uh, ignored. So she is seeking to reclaim and unite all those. In by the end, she uh, takes up. Uh, so she goes from the regal queen wardrobe to the peasant one, back to. Uh, the queen on Naboo, but then takes on that of the battle dress, the warrior, and then ends in the unification at the in on the parade in royal uh, dress again, unif that she has been all of the types and has unified them all into one person at the end reclaiming and going back to uh, nature away and more organic away from Coruscant and um, identifying with the disenfranchised and we see a shift uh, from where at the beginning she is asking advice on Naboo. She takes the advice of the Jedi to leave. She follows Qui-Gon on his decisions on Tatooine. She asks the Senate to help. And then there is a shift in Senator Palpatine's uh, apartment where she uh, after learning from Jar Jar that the Gungans have an army there is a shift she is the one now deciding what will be she is the one making the plans in all the scenes they are looking to her in what she is deciding she is reclaiming the leadership coming she has taken the lessons and then the transformation so we had Obi-Wan who is the apprentice and was taking the side of the council but then through Qui-Gon's death there has become a unity from his death where the Jedi were rejecting his ideas on the Sith being back and Anakin the Chosen One. They have now been willing to accept both Anakin and that the Sith are back. And Obi-Wan has apologized before the Battle of Naboo, so he has accepted Qui-Gon as well. There was a unification there. And the transformation is Obi-Wan going from apprentice to that of master of, of uh, Anakin in Qui-Gon's transformation from life to death. In Anakin from slave to free to Padawan. You have Yane and Sashe who endure, uh, torture, and 
Shanti, separation from the rest of the handmaidens in the, from Queen Amidala. They are forced to take on roles of leadership in the camps and they are liberated and reunited back with their suffering in their purity helps lead them to freedom and reunited back with Amidala in the handmaidens and we have Palpatine who is the separator and eventually helps to form the separatists where we have Maul who is a bit of the reversal of separation where he becomes separated in his himself in body but he also comes separated from that of Palpatine he no longer will be Palpatine's apprentice and in the film it is a transformation from life to death but it is also we know in the Clone Wars that he did not die but for the film uh, when it first came out it was assumed he had fallen and it was a bit of the last dragon to slay for Obi-Wan for him to become a Jedi and all of these things culminate with the ritual funeral of Qui-Gon the burning of his ashes are like a purification purifying the axe that came before in the transformations of all the players in the un unification in the Shortly after the funeral and the purifying, we have the parade ceremony, which is acts like a wedding. The queen is even dressed like a bride in white. And we have a circle, the symbol of unity and unifying which acts like a marriage of all of the things that were separate in the film, in the novel. There's the celebrating and dancing of all of these things coming together, the Naboo, the Gungans. That is in the literal sense, the celebration, but it is the planting of, of the seeds of further transformation, for we know it was only the beginning, it is episode one of many more stories, and the beginning of Palpatine's plans but uh, for the story of the Phantom Menace it acts as the ritual celebration of all of Padme in Anakin, in Obi-Wan, in Jar Jar, in their transformations, in their journey during both the film and the novel. 
Now going back to some other points. That of ritual and rigidity and the natural in flowing. Naboo is yes like in Eden but it is also uh, architecturally and stylized almost like that of ancient Greece or Rome in the height of their high cultured art and theology and philosophy like that of Socrates and Plato they have almost like a paradise of of a society that praises arts and knowledge and in the novel of Queen's Peril we have Panaka Quarsh Panaka who acts like that of the rigid he is constantly being foiled by the handmaidens who are much more like the flowing and natural they're able to adapt and be creative and find ways not in a sinister way around uh, the fatherly figure of Panaka to, to do to sneak out to go to a concert or uh, and things that sisters and things would think of to get around their parents and being natural and flowing and against rigidity is both the core of Taoism and the force in Star Wars for the Jedi for we see the Republic in the Empire being that of rigid people who whether it's a stormtrooper or a senator or a droid they all are very mechanical they think one way and keep doing it again and again but we see the heroes in the films in this book are the ones who are adaptive creative natural and flowing using their instincts having compassion those who seek merely to try and control themselves and not control others by reaching out to others and building bridges rather than destroying and isolating Then for the last we have the beginning of the book starts with a description of Padme and her wisdom and intelligence and compassion and prodigious talents in multi things and it ends with uh, identical description of that of Princess Leia on Alderaan creating the connection between mother and daughter in spirit even though we don't get um, any more connections than that it is more hinting 
at uh, traits that perhaps Princess Leia has inherited? Even though uh, sometimes Padme is often for forgotten amongst, uh, especially in comparison to Leia, in the role that perhaps Padme may have uh, continued had she not died, if she had lived, perhaps she would have been at the heart of the rebellion and perhaps uh, she would have been there to guide Leia through uh, the rebellion and Perhaps life may have been slightly different, but uh, the Organas were very similar to her as well. But it is an interesting comparison in the chapters. It provides a nice beginning and ending to the story. One last thing before we end, and that is we get a brief scene, or extended scene, with that of Shmi in Padme. Where we get to Shmi, who would have been her mother-in-law, we get to have a moment uh, where they comfort each other. We get to see the compassion of Shmi. The commonality uh, between Padme, there's a through line between Shmi and Padme and Leia. They are all, um, even though Padme and Shmi may not be force sensitive, they both seem to have a connection with the force. For they are both natural and flowing and adhere to the Jedi code as well as any Jedi with their compassion and uh, intuitiveness in fact many Jedi would have learned a great deal from that of Shmi and even Padme and Leia, who inherits this natural wisdom and compassion, even though we later find out she has the force as well. Well, everything has the force, but she has the ability to have a strong connection with the force. And it also shows perhaps the great loss it was for Anikan losing his mother as well as the great loss Padme had for she would have had Shmi as a mother-in-law to go to for advice and perhaps both Anakin and Padme 
things that would have gone differently if Shmi was around to help them perhaps there was a future where they could have left the Jedi in the Senate and lived somewhere away from the politics or what have you and lived a peaceful life with Niashmi or what have you but obviously it is a mythology Star Wars is about the mythology and not the reality it's not looking for literalness it's looking for themes and of course we knew where that Darth Vader in Anakin that he had to fall and that there was the necessity to form this theme in reality perhaps Shmi could have been around and that Anakin could have saved her but it doesn't help the mythology and the themes but it's fun to think about anyway we'll leave it there and I wish you a good day and hope to see you again